You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Good morning. Hope you're all well. Had to push this down a little bit. I'm not that tall. Um, yeah, so first of all, I just want to say I love this church. I love the people here at Redemption City. I love what's going on here. Uh, I love the things that God has spoken to us about um, the, the future and the direction of where things are going, anything from two services to 10 and 10 to increase of connect groups, different things like that. I love what's going on here. I love you guys. Um, so, oh, thank you. Uh, so, you know, when, they, when I do get asked to preach, it's, it's a total honor and blessing to be able to speak to you. So, um, so just, just want to thank you for allowing me to do this. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, obviously spend a lot of time prepping, and that's part of my dilemma is that when you only speak once in a while, you do all this prepping, and then you've got, like, all this stuff to share, and how do I condense it down? And then I, you guys remember... Um, Micro machines? Who remembers micro machines? Okay, so for you guys, micro machines are like, you guys know what hot rods are? Like the cars, right? They're like little tiny cars and they're called micro machines. And they had this guy on the commercial, right? And, and he talked super fast to like get through the commercial because I don't even know why, but he went, did it, and, and there are these, these tiny little cars that went around and they're basically mini hot rods, kind of like, um, I guess the, the mini cars you see today compared to normal size cars, they're just called micro machines. And there was this guy and he really talked really fast and he had to get through the commercial like this. Da, 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 da. And that's what I feel like I have all this content and like I may need to become the micro machine man, but I'm really not going to. I'm going to really try to try to condense that. But that's my dilemma from time to time is you have so much stuff that you want to say. So all to say is I have plenty of notes. We'll just see where this goes. So, and you know, what, you know what they say about, you know, talking too fast is sometimes you say things you haven't even thought of yet. So, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll see where this all goes. Um, you know, there's been a number of scriptures uh, that have been read over the last few weeks, plus some words and different things, um, along with some stuff that I think God revealed to me. And for me personally, I just connected some dots and I was just like, ah, okay, I think you're saying something here, and, and some of it are words that TK has shared, some of it's stuff that um, Andrew has shared, and, you know, Andrew might look at me or TK might listen to this and say, you got that out of what we said then? <laughs> well, yes, and I, I'll have my own stuff there, but, you know, if you have any questions on it, it's an open door. Feel free to talk to Andrew and TK, <laughs> I'm sure. <clears throat> they, they will be glad to clean up any messes that I have. Uh, through this. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, here we go. So one of the things is this reiteration that we're all called to ministry. Who agrees that we're all called to ministry? It's not just, it's not just um, uh, the lead guy or the, the, the pastor, the bishop, the whatever you want to call him. It's not that guy. It's not the, it's not the worship leader. Uh, we're all called to be ministers of the gospel. In fact, those key, those key people in the, in the fivefold ministry, right, they're, 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. They are there to equip the saints to do ministry, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> and so, um, I mean, I recall that story that TK told, right? The, the one of the, uh, there was a gentleman that kind of just gave up on life. He just said, look, if I'm going to go to church and if the Lord doesn't speak to me, I'm just going to go home and, and I'm going to end my life, right? And, and uh, he came halfway through the worship service, didn't sense anything. He's like, I'm out, starts to leave. Gentleman in the back says, uh, notices him, and so he just goes out to him and meets him in the parking lot and says, hey, are, are you, everything okay? And he said, no, I'm, I'm not okay. And conversation happened in the parking lot. One thing led to another. He ends up leading him to the Lord right there. Now, again, that, at that moment, who was, who was the most important person of that, in, that, in that moment? You know, it wasn't TK, was, who I believe was preaching at the time. It wasn't the worst leader. It was, it was someone who was obeying God and, and being a minister of the gospel, right? So I just want to reiterate that, <clears throat> that we are all called to the ministry and just imagine for a minute, just imagine, in, you know, in, in your mind there, um, you know, how powerful would the church be uh, in Denver, in Colorado, in the country, in the world, uh, in RCC, if we were truly all active ministers of the gospel. Like we didn't, we didn't just wait for it to happen on Sunday morning, like we were all ready and, and active and seeking out you know, Lord, show me right now in this moment there's someone that I can minister the gospel to. You know, salvations, healings, different things like that. How different would the world be if we were all um, doing that? And that's whether you have a full-time job, a part-time job, no job, you're a nanny, whatever. For all active ministers of the gospel. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's our mandate and it's our, it's our call. And so... Again, another thing, it was a couple weeks ago, we had a, a real God moment in worship, and, and uh, you know, TK came up here, and he, and he, he referenced this game, and I, I mean, I knew what, what he was describing, but I, I don't really know this game, but it seemed kind of hilarious, uh, where someone has like a rope tied on their back, and they're kind of running on a slip and slide, trying to get somewhere, and then right before they're about to reach the goal, they get pulled and they fall on their face and they get drugged back. You guys remember that analogy that he gave? I thought, man, that's pretty hilarious. I mean, not in the context he was saying, but I wish I could see that show. But, <clears throat> um, and then we, we kind of had a thing of like, um, that's how some of us are with, with sin, you know, and primarily our habitual sin. Like, we feel like we're overcoming, we're, we're right there, oh, and then we, we get back to, to where we were. And then... Then there's guilt and shame and so on and so forth. And um, so I kind of connected those two things together. We're all called to the ministry, but can we be effective if we're continually falling in that habitual sin, that thing, that whatever it is? So I, I'm, again, I think of the story of the guy who came in, uh, the guy in the congregation. Would he be as open to ministering to that guy if he was wrestling with his own sin. Like if he was feeling guilty about something he did or, or honestly the, the devil just putting condemnation on him. Mo 
I would bet that perhaps he, he probably would have stayed there and tried to just kind of work things through. He might have internalized things and might have not had his eyes open to what was going on around him. So that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about overcoming temptation, overcoming sin. And again, it ties to how we can be effective ministers of the gospel at all times. You know, Psalm 24, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. First Peter, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then he goes on to say, dear friends, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. So he's saying, who can, who can stand on my holy hill? To me, I equate that to being right there with the Lord, being an effective person in the gospel. And he's going on in, in Peter and saying, I urge you, I urge you to flee from sinful desires. Again, that example that TK had of we're right there and then we get pulled back into it. And so I had this thought as I was... <clears throat> Driving to work, I have an insane, well, it's not insane, I guess. I have a long commute to work uh, to Denver. It's about an hour each way, and that's in good traffic. Um, the other day, there was a semi that got stalled, and it took me almost three hours to get to work just on I-25. It was absolutely nuts. But anyway, it gives me lots of time to think. And, uh, and I also listen um, to my uh, audio Bible on the way. It's, it's, it's really cool. Um, but I had this thought of, with this thing, we need to have a vision of victory, like a vision of victory, like I see it and I'm going to get it. And so um, <clears throat> just a, a story, you know, my, my kids, they're involved in athletics and, you know, JJ's in basketball, the girls are in gymnastics and so on and so forth. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's them or, and, and I was coaching a little bit ago and I was just like... I always say this, visualize what's going to happen, right? Like visualize you're making that shot. Visualize you're kicking that thing in the back of the net. Visualize you're sticking that landing, right? Because if you think any other way, you're not going to. You know, you're not going to. you got to visualize it. And I, I want us to have like a, a vision of victory. We need to visualize that first. So me as a kid, um, again, Sorry for all the sports analogies. That's just what I have right now. Um, you know, ladies, maybe next time I'll have a HGTV or a cooking channel analogy or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> home improvement. Uh, some kind of home improvement analogy, you know. I, I don't know. <clears throat> so I have lots of sports analogies. For, forgive me for that. But, <clears throat> you know, as a kid, I, I played basketball as a kid. And I remember um, we were in Oklahoma. Um, and my dad and I would go out and play basketball a lot. It was just fun, but I hated it at the same time. And here's why. Because he beat me every time. Every time. And I just remember one day, I, uh, <laughs> and my dad's in the back. He, he thinks he can still take me, so it's all good. <laughs> I just remember getting so mad. I was like, ah, and I'd run in, and I was crying, you know. And my mom's in the house, you know, doing whatever. And she's like, what's wrong? And, and Dad beat me again. I can't, ah. And I'm just, like, crying. She's like, well, get out there and do it again. And that was, like, my mom's thing. Like, well, 
get up and try again. That's what she says. The kids fall down, well, I'll get up and try again. And so I'd go back out, and he'd beat me again, and I'd come in, slam the door. Ah! I was so mad. <clears throat> but then when I started practicing, I started getting a vision of victory. And, and so I would, I would visualize myself like winning the game, right? And, and I, it's funny, maybe five or ten years ago, I saw a commercial that actually described this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, other people did this too when they were kids. Thank you. Um, but what it was is, you, you guys know what it is, right? Down by two. It's just you, right? You're just practicing. Down by two. He's got his this and that. Three, two, one. And he hits it. But if he doesn't hit it, well, first if he hits it, it's like, he hit the three. They win. Yeah. And if he misses, if I missed, if he misses, if I missed, he was fouled. He was fouled. They get the ball back. Put more time on the clock. He does, or he put him on the line. Free throws. They tie the game. They're going into overtime. Three, two, one. Double overtime. Okay. Three, two. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. I had a vision of victory, and I wasn't going to stop until I had that victory. Right? And I, I want us to have that. Um, and then I saw this commercial of this kid and the other day, and he did that. And I said, oh, my gosh, I used to do that. That's hilarious. And I'm sure more people did. But losing was not an option. And, and I want us to have a vision of victory in, in many things, but in particular for today, of that sin that seems to entangle us, that, that one thing that we can't seem to get over. And it could be anything, right? Um, I think the first things that people, that it comes to mind as, you know, you know, lust and some of those other things, but it's, it's, it's jealousy, it's pride, it's envy, it's anger, gossip, greed. You know, the, the devil uses anything that's your weakness. I mean, even things like, I, well, gluttony, but he'll use food, right? He'll use food to destroy you. And um, again, another sport thing, but my heart goes out to this guy. I don't know if you guys know of uh, Jared Lorenzen. Uh, he, he was the quarterback for University of Kentucky. They called him the hefty lefty. He was a left-handed quarterback, and he was, he was big. He was uh, probably close to 300 pounds. He was big, kind of like Ben Roethlisberger, but, well, okay. For those of you who don't know, Ben Roethlisberger is like a really big quarterback, okay? So, again, I'll have cooking show analogies next time. <clears throat> the hefty lefty, and he was really good, and uh, he ended up going to the NFL for a few years, and he won a, he won a Super Bowl with uh, Eli Manning. So he's a backup quarterback, but he still got the ring, and he was with Eli Manning, and he played there for a few years, and I kind of was like, oh, what happened to him? I don't know. Well, it just came out last week that he, he passed away, and he was, uh, I believe he was 36 or 38, and uh, they were showing videos of him, and this guy, unfortunately, was enormous. He had something happen in his life. I don't know the full story, but he just started giving in to his, his desire for food. And before he died, he weighed in at like 550 pounds. Like it was just, you, you were watching this video and you're like, that is not that guy. That, that was, he was in the NFL just eight years ago. That's not that guy. And, and it was. And he had... Um, health issues because of it, and he ended up passing away, and my heart just breaks. But the whole point is that the devil will use anything 
because he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he's about. That is all he's about. And so again, when we talk about overcoming, overcoming things, it ties into another thing that we've talked about here, the, the three Ds, you know, desire, discipline, delight. And um, I've used that with, with teams. It's like, okay, we have a desire. We want to do this. You know, we have this, this vision of something. We have this desire. Well, you got to live through the discipline of what it takes to then live in the delight of what your initial desire was, right? And so just visualize in terms of desire, visualize what it looks like to overcome that sin for good or that situation for good. What does that look like? And I'm not talking like mind over matter stuff. Let's just get that straight. I'm talking about the Lord giving you a picture of what it looks like to overcome and how effective can you be once you've seen that in reality, right? How effective can we all be as ministers of the gospel once we overcome that thing that has gripped us? So just visualize that. He's giving you a picture of victory and deliverance. We're visualizing victory. That's a desire. The next thing is, this is the hardest part. It's discipline. And, and so let's turn to uh, Joshua 3. If you have your, your Bibles there. Paper, digital, maybe it's just memorized in your head. You're awesome if that's the case. <clears throat> okay. So let's start. Yeah, let's just start at verse one. We all there? Great. If you're not, you can catch up. <laughs> Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, excuse me, uh, Shittim and went, <laughs> I'm having a hard time seeing, went to the Jordan and they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move it from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So that's the key verse. Consecrate yourselves, for the Lord will do amazing things among you. Again, that discipline piece ties into in my opinion, consecration. Quick summary of Joshua. Um, obviously, the earlier generation didn't see the promised land. Joshua was taking them there. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant carried the presence and promise of God. It said here, stay 2,000 cubits away from it. Uh, that's about the equivalent, gosh, sports analogies, the equivalent of like three football fields. That's how far they had to stay away from. That's how powerful it was, right? Um, and then he says, uh, consecrate yourselves. You know, I believe consecration plus the Holy Spirit, you can, uh, wonders, things wonderful can happen. God can do wonders through consecration and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about consecration. 
It means to separate oneself from un, things that are unclean, especially that would contaminate one's relationship with the perfect God. To consecrate yourself is it's a word kadash in Hebrew. And it means be hallowed, be set apart, be prepared, be prepared, dedicate. It means wholly dedicate yourself. Um, it's re- the act of setting yourself aside and dedicating yourself. Notice that word yourself. There's a personal responsibility. Like the Lord, he changes people, but you have to have an active role in this. You have a personal responsibility to be set apart, to be prepared, and to dedicate yourself. And when you do that, it removes the barriers to God's power and presence. Again, if we're, wrestling, if we're caught up in a sin or we're wrestling with a sin, I believe we can't be as effective in terms of ministering to people and, and, and ministering the gospel. Can he use anyone? Yes. But how much more effective could we be? And as we're... And as we're going into a new season of the church, again, we all need to be active ministers of the gospel. We all need to be ready. And when we are, I'm telling you, things are going to explode and great things are going to happen. So in terms of being prepared, I want to talk about that in terms of consecration, being prepared. The first thing, we need to know our enemy when it comes to understanding temptation. We need to know our enemy The enemy is Satan. He's, he's, he's Lucifer. He's the devil. He's those things. But here's what he is. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. He's the accuser. He's our adversary. He's a schemer. He hinders. He's a stumbling block. He disguises himself as an angel of light. I'm getting fired up about this because when I realize who I'm dealing with, it kind of makes me want to stay away from sin. He uses anything. He uses your weakness. That's who he is. He's nothing good. And he's the tempter. Sorry, I just had a thought, but I'm going to put a pin in it. <clears throat> so what times do we know that the enemy will attack? Well, when, when you're already down. When he's, he, he, he never fights fair. When you're down or when you're struggling, that's when, that's when he's ready to attack. When you don't expect it, um, maybe you're not prepared. When you think you can handle it, and I equate that to pride, I've got this. And when you're making a difference for God's purposes. So when you're in all those things, it kind of says like no matter what, you need to be on guard, right? No matter what. So know who he is. Know the enemy. You know, when... when when people go to war, they study their enemy. They know their tactics. They know the ins and outs. Again, a sports analogy. But when you prepare for other teams, you're, that's why people film other teams because they want to know what are they doing and how can we counterattack that, right? You need to know what the enemy's plans are. But understand how temptation works as well. It's nothing new. The temptation is nothing new. And he doesn't have any real, really any new schemes. It was established in Genesis 3. When he, when he talked to Adam and Eve and he said, did God really say? Did God really say? And that's kind of what he does. Did God really say? That's, that's his, his main thrust. 
You know, every temptation has just a few elements. One is there's a wrong desire in me, or it could be the right desire, um, but with, in the wrong way or the wrong timing. So, so things like, again, food, relationship and companionship, things like that. Trying to fulfill those things in the wrong way or in a, in a wrong time or excessive way, that, that, can lead, that can become destructive. So there's a wrong desire in me, and then he starts to plant doubt. Did God really say? Did he say, did he say don't get even? Did he say don't, don't have sex outside of marriage? Did he say that? Did he say, did he say that? Did he really say that? You know, and then you, you, start, you start questioning. And then he substitutes that doubt with the deception. You know, every time we sin, there's a lie we're believing. We basically believe a lie when we sin because we doubted and we, we go and sin. Ah, it's not that bad. I know myself. We believe a lie and then we're defeated. So again, understand, you have a desire. He questions, did God really say? Ah, it's not that bad. You can get away with it. And then we bought into a lie. So again, know, know how temptation works. Uh, the next thing is know what we're vulnerable in. You know, in, in Ephesians it says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give him a place to leverage at all. Don't give him anything. So what's, what's one of the most common footholds we give, we, we give uh, the devil in our lives? A lot of times it's... it's Negative, negative emotions and, and like following our heart sometimes. You know, Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart as it affects everything you do. The, you know, I hate, I hate these shirts that say, follow your heart. Trust your heart. No, don't trust your heart at all. The heart is deceptive. Trust the word of God and align your heart with the word of God, whether you like it or not. The heart is deceptive. And we, you know, we have these cute little shirts. Dream, trust your heart, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then by the time we're, by the time we're older and we're ready to make decisions, we've been ingrained already to trust our heart. And we just start doing whatever feels good, right? So, again, learn, learn the pattern of temptation. I'm going to try to blaze through this just because of time a little bit, but... You know, we're all unique. We all have patterns of temptation. Um, Proverbs 14, the prudent understand where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. Put another way, a wise man looks ahead and a fool won't face facts. This is all part of consecration and this, this idea of planning, being prepared. We need to be able to say no even before we're tempted. And that's, that's interesting, like, Got to start thinking about, okay, when do I become tempted? Where do I become tempted? Um, who's with me when I become tempted? What temporary benefit do I think I'm gaining by maybe giving in to this temptation? Is there, you know, some kind of false excitement or um, some kind of relief or something? I, I don't know. What, what, what benefit do I get? You know, in Hebrews it says, there's pleasure in sin for a moment, and, and we all know there's, there's an eternal consequence there. But plan. You know, plan to avoid the, these situations. Think about where, where am I tempted? What, um, again, what, what scenario am I in? And, and plan to avoid them. 
Proverbs 4, be careful to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil or put another way. Plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil. Consecration. Plan. Okay, plan ahead. Uh, Some of you know I'm a project manager in IT, so that's all we do all day is plan ahead. And by the time I get home, I don't want to plan another thing. I'm so tired of it. And someone will say, well, what's the plan for tomorrow? And I'm just like, flip, I don't know. I don't even want to think about this. But we we need to plan ahead, especially when it comes to things like this. Uh, uh, the, I recently went through some uh, uh, physical changes, I guess you want to say. Some people say I'm half the man I used to be. Um, I, I went on a diet. And so uh, in, in dieting, I, I, I say, okay, yeah, let, let's, let's do this. Let's, um, let's do this. I'll, I'll follow whatever. And uh, whatever you give me, I'll do. And... So then I would start to weigh in every day at home, and I'd say, okay, that's where I'm at. I need to lose a lot more. And next day, boom. And so I would look at the scale. First of all, before I even started that, I would plan ahead. I would plan, okay, this is what I'm going to eat. This is what I'm not going to eat. Da, 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 da. And then every day on a daily basis, I would step on that scale and say, sweet, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then next sometime I'd step on the scale and say, huh, okay. Today, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do this today. I'm planning ahead because I have this desire of losing some weight. I've got to live in the discipline of it in order to see the delight of what my desire was. And so over the course of the last six months, and my wife can tell you, I have completely, like, stayed away in those, in, of the things I said I want to stay away from, and um, I believe I'm living in the, in the delight of it. Hopefully I can, I can keep it off. So, um, but just like with food, you can do that with anything else, in my opinion. So if, if your struggle is alcohol, <clears throat> don't go to the bar. Don't go with friends that maybe drink who, or who aren't willing to give up drinking while you're there because you know you're struggling. Like plan these things out. If you're struggling with pornography or some of those kinds of things, Block some stuff on your, your computers. Have accountability people that can see what you're looking at. Turn off the TV. Right? If you have issues with anger, you know, figure out those things, those scenarios, and, and plan ahead. How am I going to resolve that? When, I, when, I, when I'm triggered with something, what am I going to do? You know, <clears throat> care, I, I tell people this. Character is more defined in my opinion, on how you respond to something than, than what maybe you initiate. You know, sometimes people, you know, like, oh, he's a go-getter, he initiates, but, and he's a great person. But a lot of times people know who you are by how you respond to what's initiated to you. Does that make sense? How you respond to things determines your character. So if someone, you know, yells at me or, I don't, I don't know, uh, yeah, right. Ref makes a bad call or, or someone gives some hand gestures on the way to work. How I respond to that shows my character. And that's more important. So we got to plan. we got to learn our response. <clears throat> now what happens when um, temptation comes that you don't anticipate? And, and this is hard. Like you, you feel like you're going the right way and you just don't anticipate it well. The, the key thing is sometimes you just have to cry out for help. 
Help, Lord, help. Like literally, help. Sometimes the most effective prayers are one or two word uh, prayers. Help, Jesus, help. In Psalms it says, call to me when trouble comes and I will save you. Call to me. And in the Hebrews it says, he, you know, Jesus faced the same temptations but without sin. The same exact stuff that every one of us goes through, he's been through it. And so he, we know he's overcome it and we have victory because of that. And we can call out to him. The same stuff. Tempted by lust, impatience, anger, jealousy, envy. He was tempted with all of that without sin. And let me say, just to clarify, it is not a sin to be tempted. Again, it's your response. You know, there's this guy named Martin Luther. I heard he was a good Lutheran boy. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I've, I've had friends that are, are, are uh, they're in the Lutheran church. And for some reason, they always say, yeah, you know, I grew up as a good Lutheran boy. And uh, I, I don't know why that is. Anyway, um, I guess I can joke a little bit about that because both of my, my father-in-law and my dad, they were both raised in, in Lutheran church a little bit. So, um, Anyway, Martin Luther, I'm getting real myself in here. He says, you know, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent him from making a nest in your hair, right? It's the same thing with temptation. Like, you can't control, you know, sometimes thoughts that come through your mind, but how do you respond to that? Do you, do you continually focusing in on that? All right, so where was it? There we go. Sorry. Plan ahead. Remember God's word. Your word that I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Start quoting scripture. The more you get the Bible in your mind, the more defenses you have in place against temptation. You know, when Jesus was tempted, every time he quoted scripture, do you guys know where, what he quoted? Deuteronomy. He quoted Deuteronomy. When's the last time we've read Deuteronomy? All I'm saying is he knew scripture and we should too. So when we're tempted, we start quoting scripture. Put on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6. Every day uh, with, with, my, with my kids as she was driving to school or, or whatever, and I, I believe her parents did this with her. Every day they would put on the full armor of God. And I'm like literally like, literally, like Stand firm. We're going to put on, like, they're doing these motions. We're putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We're putting the gospel of peace on our, on our feet. We're putting the shield of faith. Like, they're doing these actions. They're putting on the full armor of God so that they can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Because our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual uh, wickedness in high places. <clears throat> Right, remember God's word. The next thing, refocus your attention on something else. You know, it's like, how do we respond to that temptation? It's like, um, let's just take the TV. Something comes on TV. You know, the, the Bible says resist the devil. He doesn't say resist temptation. He says resist the devil. But what you need to do is refocus your attention. So I come across something on TV that's bad, whatever it is. Do I just stand there and just say, 
I, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this. Oh, I really don't want this. I don't know, I don't want this. No, turn the channel, refocus your attention. Refocus your attention. Don't overcome, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Whatever things are pure, lovely, think on these things. It starts with your mind, right? The more you think about something, the more attention it has in your life. Make, 2 Corinthians, make every thought captive and obedient to Christ. Don't focus on the temptation. Refocus it. <clears throat> okay, moving on. I'm almost done. Again, more practical things. Let me just say, join a connect group. Get involved with connect groups. We have a few. We're actually launching more. But there's something about community where you can pray with each other, share your struggles with each other. Um, don't be a lone ranger in this thing. Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves, right? That's here at church on Sundays, but it's also as often as you can. It says, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We should be getting together, but join a connect group. If you're not in a connect group, they meet on the second and fourth week of every month. Find where one is and get involved. And the point is, is that everyone else is going through the same kinds of things. You're not alone in this. We can, and James says, admit faults and pray for one another. Get a friend or someone you trust that you can share some things with, some personal things, your temptations. You're not, you know, not going to have victory by yourself. Sometimes it takes a team, right? You know, who checks in on you? Are you, are you all by yourself? But who, who checks in on you? Who checks how you're doing? Who are you willing to share that stuff with? You know, the more we do of confessing temptations with each other, the less likely and less painful it's going to be if we have to um, confess our sin and failures to one another. Just think about that. Again, it's not a sin to be tempted, but if we confess our temptations with them and pray for each other, that's going to be far easier and cause a lot less damage than if we don't, and then later we have to confess our failings and our sin because we did something that we shouldn't have. I have a friend, um, try to make this quick, <clears throat> we did ministry together uh, a while back, and I had no idea. This guy had a behind-the-scenes lifestyle that was absolutely insane. And when it, when it all came out, uh, he was arrested for some things. And then his wife found out. And then his family found out. And then a lot of people found out. And it ruined everything, everything. And I think, what could have, what kind of a different path could have he have had if he was willing to confess his temptations up front and have someone pray for him and work with him and check in with him? But he didn't. He tried to do it alone. He, he, he kind of fought this thing. Um, and I've talked with him. We, we talk once in a while. But he fought this thing and wrestled with this thing. And he, he tried to do it alone, but he, and he couldn't. He kept giving in. And 
things got worse and worse and worse and worse. And, how, and, and many of you know, like, a failure doesn't just immediately happen. Like, we don't just say, oh, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to cheat on my wife today. Like, that doesn't happen. It's t- giving in to these little temptations, these little temptations. And then over time, we, we make an action. Like, we don't, we don't want to get to the point where now it's action time. Because maybe you can resist it once or twice, but when you're in the heat of the moment and it's action time, no one's going to nail that 100% of the time. you got to get it up front. So anyway, it's ruined everything for him. It, his marriage is over. His kids don't trust him. He's, he's trying to rebuild his life. And that was after 15 or so, 20 years of marriage. This had been going on. Uh, so again, my whole point is find someone you trust you can talk to. Get in a connect group. And let's, let's work on our temptations so that we don't have to get to this thing of, of sin. And finally, remember that God is on your side. He is for you, never against you. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, I'm with you till the very end of the age. The very end. 1 Corinthians, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. So what does that say? That says every temptation is common to everybody. Like it's common to everyone else. God's faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you're able. And he will provide a way out. Lord, help. Help. I, I can't. I can't do this by myself. Help. He will provide a way out. 1 Corinthians 15. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not willpower. It's the, the victory is through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. It's the gospel that changes, the cross that changes. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let's keep living aware. Let's keep standing strong. You're never alone. Let's be victorious. Victorious over sin. Let's mature in our walk so that we can be effective ministers of the gospel. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, Yeah, let's all stand. Yeah, if we could just bow our heads for a moment. Um, Just want to give an opportunity uh, to to respond. Um, Again, I keep coming back to that, that example that TK gave of the rope and You're, you're, you're doing things and you're, you're, uh, you're almost there. You almost crossed the finish line and, and you, you fall. And, you know, you fall into this sin, whatever it is. Um, I just want to pray that um, uh, hopefully this was practical and, and helpful to some degree. Um, but I just want to pray um, for us. <clears throat>
Lord, thank you that there's no temptation that you've not provided a way, you've, you, that you won't provide a way of escape. Thank you, God, that there's no sin that's too great for your love. No. And maybe some of you feel like, I can't be an effective minister of the gospel. Yes, I, I've accepted the grace of God, but there's this thing I did a long time ago I just can't get over. And I just want to say there's no, therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He has freed you from that thing. And I just want to pray that you're released in Jesus' name.